fans and welcome to episode 56 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host Jeff and today we're going to be reading chapter 9 of Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to contact me, you can head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com and right there there's three ways to contact me and we'll go over them at the end of the show today. And while you're there, why not consider buying one of the prequels to this book? They're equally as bad and feature some of the same characters. How fun is that? Okay, I hope everybody out there is doing well. Uh, I wouldn't know because I haven't heard from anybody through, through like uh, feedback. So uh, yeah, right into the show. Just tell me you're doing fine, if you're listening, if you're not listening. Of course, then you wouldn't know to write into the show, but what the hell are you going to do? And uh, yeah... I just want to know everybody out there is doing fine right now. I hope you are. Uh, me and the lovely Laura are hunkered down in the old uh, recording studio for I don't know how long. Um, yeah, what are you going to do? But one good thing is I can still get liquor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it for essential services, baby. So, uh, today, I don't have too much to talk about. Um... Not too much is going on with me that's different working as usual. Uh, I think tonight we might do some like uh, quarantine online gaming, except I famously have really bad computers, so it's a little harder for me to actually do some of these games. Uh, They did suggest maybe we could play StarCraft, and I do have a computer with that on it, but now I'm a little concerned because they said StarCraft, and I hope they mean StarCraft 2. Because StarCraft Remastered doesn't work on a Mac, and I don't want to install it because it's going to take forever. Oh my god, it sucks. Fucking, and I don't want to give Blizzard Entertainment any money. They're a bunch of shitbags. Yeah, look it up. They're garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm cool with playing a game they make. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, you know, nothing else is really happening around here. We finished some laundry, so we're not going to hear any buzzers this episode as we read Chapter 9. So let's talk a little bit about what we're doing. Chapter 9, by the way, is the last chapter I've edited. So uh, since I said I started editing, I have not edited since. So this is literally next week I have to edit a chapter to read it. So... And there's so many things wrong with this book. I really do have to go. This is going to need like a couple passes, don't you think? This is so bad. Ooh, a lot of typos. Lot, a lot of typos. I feel like it's quite reminiscent of uh, Bring Balance's rate of typos, which was pretty freaking high. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have to go back through and do some of this. But, yeah, I have a big um, edit marker in uh, my, you know, book text file here. Just before chapter 10 starts saying, you know, you last stopped here. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, chapter 9. It is 192 lines long or so, I believe. Something around that. Um, So this is an exciting episode because if you'll recall, they're in like a storybook castle. And um, we don't know that anybody had sex, but let's just say they didn't so we don't have to think about it. And uh, Margot gets to meet her dad today for the first time in what we can presume is years. I don't know. Let's let's say it's years. Who cares? 
We don't really have anything to go on there. The book might say. I, I don't remember if the author mentions it or not. Eh, we'll see. So Margo's going to meet her dad. We get to see some bureaucracy. I know everybody likes that when there's, you know, bureaucracy. I, well, I was trying to think of another word for it, but there's not. Ugh, it's going to be super bad. I don't know. I kind of started reading the chapter, and I kind of started to uh, get mad at myself for writing it. So, <laughs> I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. So, without any further ado, let's dive in to Chapter 9. So, for today's episode, I am once again having a little bit of some Wild Turkey Kentucky Wild Turkey 101 Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey on the rocks as usual. Mm -mm. Mm. Wait, did I do this last week? I don't think I did this last week. But anyway, that's what I'm having this week. So not once again. I mean, once again, because I had some Friday, I guess. <laughs> it's very good, but I'm very low on it, I think. I might have to go to the liquor store this week, too. And I don't even think I really have to go for groceries, but... Uh, you gotta have your whiskey, right, to keep yourself sane during this. I mean, whew, I'm surprised the lovely Lara isn't drinking more, having to be around me constantly. It seems like that's a, you know, stressful situation for her. <laughs> Ooh, I'm just drinking my regular amount, though, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay. Let me begin. Where are we? All right. Long after dawn... A knock came at their room door, and Margot hesitated to answer. She knew she was only delaying the inevitable reunion with her father, or possibly more. Oh, because her, like, siblings might be, be there. Okay, or possibly more, by hiding away with Henry for the better part of the day. A knock could be anyone, though, and she wasn't looking forward to the meetings that were to begin in the near future. She turned the knob slowly, her stomach in knots. Knots? Do you spell that K-N-O-T-S? I guess so. I don't know why that looks like. I'm thinking of like nautical miles per hour. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, uh, you're amongst everybody else in the world. <laughs> the thought of her father's disapproving face, or worse, one of her siblings on the other side of the door, made her feel as if she would throw up. Instead, though, she could make out Ted's voice on the other side, asking quietly for them. Miss LaFleur, Henry, may I come in? Ted's voice said, barely audible through the thick door. Miss LaFleur, Henry, Ted's voice said, barely audible through the thick door. You know what? Sound effects, you know, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Am I right, people? Uh, she swung it open as her nerves relaxed, though only slightly. Ted, sorry, I've been having a stress-filled morning. No need to apologize, Ted replied. I just thought I'd stop in before heading downstairs. I was told we're expected for the meeting in 15 minutes. Ooh, meetings! <laughs> Margot tensed again. Oh, she managed to say. Henry stood and walked over, putting his hand on Margot's back. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> like right in the middle of it? Like he's going to shove her? Eh. Why don't we all sit down and relax? 
Ted, is there anything we need to go over? He asked, leading Margot slowly to the sofa in the middle of the room. Ted walked to the table next to the sofa and dropped a bag of documents. A bag. I thought he would have a briefcase, maybe a messenger bag. Ted's young. He's probably, he doesn't use briefcases, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't believe so, he said, sitting in a chair next to the sofa. We just need to see what... Oh, excuse me, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, you know, a real podcast, they'd edit that out. Ted walked to the sofa, dropped bag of documents. No, I don't believe so, he said, sitting in a chair next to the sofa. Sofa, sofa, sofa. We just need to see what they say. We're not asking for any reparations or anything, just unconditional recognition of the king, with a capital K. Should I be capitalizing king? Any foreigners who have kings and queens, let me know. Hmm, I don't know. I feel like kind of like no, maybe? I don't know. Could be a quick day. That was still Ted talking. Sorry. Oh my god, I'm hitting a button and the computer's making noises. God help us. All right, here we go. Do, 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 do. I got a page down and I don't know what I'm doing. All right. As if reading her thoughts, Henry said, I doubt that. Even if it's, even if that first step is quick, they must want something, right? Ted shrugged. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. There's very little information flowing into Eliath from up here. After sitting in silence for another few minutes, awkward, Margot rose, determined to get on with the day. Coldly, she said, All right, let's head down. Henry, I expect you to behave and let Ted do the talking, she breathed deeply, saying, I'm ready. <gasps> I'm ready. The trio was nearly in the foyer once again. When the trio was nearly in the foyer once again, because I can't read, Leonid emerged from another hallway like Dracula. <laughs> He's very creepy. Lady Margot, gentlemen, the meeting will be up just a few floors if you will follow me. You've got to be kidding, Henry said. Margot could see by his breathing that he was not in his best shape. I'm sorry, but we were about to send someone for you. If your accommodations are... Oh, Leonid responded coolly. If your accommodations are unacceptable... No, no, it's fine, Henry interrupted. It's just a lot of walking, and I drank quite a bit last night. Margot frowned at him as they followed Leonid back up the staircase they had just descended. That is annoying. I'm with Henry on this. The walk was pleasantly short, requiring only one additional staircase, which she heard Henry curse, and a short walk to a rather imposing doorway. Leonid stopped with his hand on the oversized handle to the massive doors. All the lords and ladies are inside. I feel like that's like a song or something. <laughs> All the lords and ladies are inside, and nobody else, he explained. I assume the Lady Margot will enter first. No, Ted is the king's man here today. I will follow him. Very well, Leonid continued. If it matters to you, your father is seated to the left of Lord Zinth. You may have a moment if you wish, or not. Margot simply nodded, standing up taller and summoning her courage to face her father. Drinking break! Mm. Uh, yeah, this is really helping. Mm -hmm. 
What do you guys think of this chapter so far? Yeah, I'm a little on the fence. Margo's being a little too whiny for my liking. Mm, let's page down so I don't do it while we're talking. Have another sip of whiskey. Oh, yes. All right, here we go. Lords and ladies, may I present Mr. Tedward Ingleward of the court of King Stephen, Oliath, the Lady Margot Lafleur, and Mr. Henry McCallum, advisor to King Stephen, Leonid announced loudly. I'm not going to do it loudly because, uh, all right. You, you know what? You got the talking through the door sound effect. What else do you want? Ted walked in with the gait of a confident bureaucrat, but Margot hesitated until Henry whispered into her ear, I've got your back. She rigidly walked in, looking breathtaking, in Henry's opinion. Ugh. He soon, he looked about halfway down, oh God. He looked about halfway down her and followed a grinning. Wow, that's creepy. <laughs> What was I thinking writing this? I was probably on my third glass of whiskey. That's my only guess. Well, anyway, we do know that he's kind of into her. So, I, I mean, what are you going to do? There was an odd tension in the room when they entered, probably because Henry was staring at someone's ass. <laughs> the Northerners appeared nervous and apprehensive to Henry's surprise. He guessed that they might indeed be expecting punishments to be applied by the throne. Margot was exuding a cold confidence on her nearly emotionless face, which wasn't helping. In contrast, Ted had walked to his seat and was pulling scrolls from his bag, organizing them on the table in front of himself and smiling the entire time. Henry surveyed the table until his eyes fell on a tall man with, a, with slightly olive skin and slicked jet black hair. He immediately could see the resemblance. Like the other original occupants of the room, he did show signs of nerves, but his eyes never moved from Margot. Henry could see something else in his face, sadness or pride, but he couldn't quite make it out. It seems like those are very different. Eh, well... When Margot approached the table, all the men of the room rose quickly from their seats until she herself sat down. Henry followed and sat beside Margot at the very end of the table. He was mildly surprised at how well she was doing. Do you think in this conference room would they have, like, chairs with wheels on them in the world of magic? I, they better be leather. I'm, like, worried that they'd be, like, all wood. Who knows, though? <sighs> all right. She had seemed petrified of her brother the last time they had met, and he half, he had half, ex wow, alliteration much, he had half expected that meekness, that meekness to make an appearance today. Wow, that was really hard to read. Instead, she had an air of superiority, making her almost glow with power over the rest of the room's occupants. We all thank the king for responding with such haste. Lord Heinrich Zinth started. <laughs> Henry was secretly proud that he had actually learned who everyone here actually was, actually. It's a lot of actuallys. <laughs> As our letter stated, we have no preconditions to these negotiations. Thank you for the beautiful and comfortable accommodations, my lord, Ted responded dutifully. We are thankful for your hospitality. Yes, thank, thank, thank. The room sat in awkward silence for a moment until a dark-skinned, stern-faced woman, the Lady Dahlia, 
Really? That Dahlia? Did I really choose that? I guess. Spoke. What are the king's terms for this agreement? Ted smiled and began handing out the scrolls to each of them. Uh, blah, 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 page down. Here is the king's offer. The main points of the agreement are that you, your houses, and any beneath you will recognize King Stephen as the sole ruler of this land and that you will allow the throne's taxes to be collected here as anywhere else. And surely that's not all, Lord Patrick Coyle said, taking a scroll. Ted uh, looked at the ceiling and thought for a moment. Snapping his fingers, he said, The king will reopen all government offices in your regions as soon as possible. Henry observed three of the attendees staring at Ted in disbelief. The remaining three were reading the provided scrolls, mouths agape. Is that really it? Oh, there is a seventh, but she got something happened to her. Because here we go. Where is the Lady Amarath? Henry asked, just now noticing that one person was still missing from the meeting. All six attendees looked up at Henry with concerned looks. She was indisposed, Lord Heinrich Zinth quickly blurted out with a nervous expression. Indisposed, Margot asked. Yes, she... Unforeseen circumstances, Lord Tazamil said quickly. I was probably paging between this and the list of, you know, the people on the letter constantly trying to write this. <laughs> the, other, uh, the, the others around the table nodded. Ted sighed, saying, I was, a, I was told to obtain signatures from all the lords. Will she be here soon? No, she can't join us, though I'm sure she would agree to these terms, Lord Heinrich Zinth said. I made him say it quickly because they're clearly trying to cover something up. Uh, we will, of course, courier her, courier her a copy with the utmost haste and return it to his highness as soon as possible. That will have to suffice, I guess, Ted admitted. Very well. Do you have any questions or requests? Will the king's army continue marching north? Lady Dahlia asked. Ted laughed. Ugh, I'm sorry reading this real bad. I'm getting, like, ahead of myself. Okay. All right, let's, you know, let's, let's add some drama to this, right? Will the king's army continue marching north? Lady Dahlia asked. I'm trying to make her sound nervous. Ted laughed. Hardly a reason if you agree, right? I would guess it would be recalled. But it could still march north if we requested it? Lord Pat asked Lord Patrick. Ted looked at him confused, replying, I suppose it could, yes. Lord Heinrich interjected, Mr. Ingleward, could we have a moment to discuss this agreement amongst ourselves? And if you or your advisors could step outside... Of course, Ted cordially agreed, rising from his chair. Margot and Henry followed suit, and Henry watched the eyes of Lord Louis Lafleur follow his estranged daughter from the room. Oh, this is so nice. Not a drinking break, but just for me. Mm. I feel like I need more of them. Yeah. Uh, boop, boop, boop. Outside in the hall, the trio found Leonid talking with a servant, presumably about dinner. Ugh. Why is that presumed? <laughs> he looked surprised when they shut the door behind them. Did they already reject the king's offer? Leonid asked. They are discussing it, Ted said calmly, smiling. 
A little hard to swallow, I would imagine. How much gold will this piece require? Leonid asked with a scowl. No gold, Ted said, waving. Just recognition, just a recognition of the king. Didn't they tell him, oh, maybe, that, that the king's not asking for anything? I thought they told Leonid yesterday, but I must be wrong. I don't know. Yesterday in book time, not yesterday. Yeah, okay. Do, 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 do. No gold, just a recognition of the king. And that's basically it, Margot explained. Leonid's eyebrows raised. The king doesn't want payment? Renunciation of titles? Secession of lands? All three of the visitors shook their heads. Oh, Leonid said simply. Henry noticed that he had what he had considered a permanent frown seemed to have been erased from Leonid's face. Would have been writing better writing if I had said had considered a permanent frown had turned upside down, huh? That would have been good, uh, but I didn't write that. <laughs> a door to the negotiation room swung open, and Lord Louis Lafleur emerged, tall and taut, similar to his daughter. Henry quickly glanced at Margot, and he saw a brief look of fear before she collected herself. Lord Lewis closed the door softly behind them. We are ready for you, he said in a deep voice. That's the last time that's happening. <laughs> We've all come to a decision. But before we do return to the table, I wanted to speak with my daughter. Should we go, Ted started. That won't be necessary, Ted, Margot snapped. What do you want, father? Ugh. I hate people who call their parents father and mother, you know what I mean? I don't really actually know anyone who does that for real. Like, I know, like, the lovely Laura will do that to her parents to bug them, you know? But just for fun. Just to make them laugh. I, I mean, I would do the same to my mom, but I don't have any any comedic abilities. <laughs> the older Lafleur sighed. I've been nervous about this meeting ever since I heard the king had sent you, he said. Margot stared emotionless at him. Seeing that no response was imminent, he continued. It's been a long time, Margot. I'm an old man now, and I have more regrets than I can count. As you should, Margot said, crossing her arms. Wow. Henry, that's a real dick move right there, I feel like. Henry felt extremely awkward watching this exchange. Looking at Ted and Leonid, he could tell they also felt the same. I deserve that, he admitted. I, was, I am just trying to say that I'm sorry for everything. I haven't led what many would call a noble life, and your mother and I somehow raised two monsters. How is mother? Margot said with disgust. Her father's expression nearly mirrored hers. Oh, trouble in paradise in that little marriage. The same, of course. She will always be that woman. After another pause, he continued. I just regret driving away the one child who has achieved the most. Henry watched one of Margot's eyebrows go up in surprise confusion. And you were a terrible father, she added. Wow. She is going hard at this. Also, I kind of pictured them standing behind her during this. So how would they see her, like, eyebrow go up? Yeah, I mean, if they're standing next to her, well, she's, I don't know, talking with her dad? That seems like a bad move. Maybe they all shifted over to the side with Leonid, but then kind of got stuck standing there anyway. That's my guess. All right. 
Who's going to get tired of saying Leonid this whole book? I am, that's for sure. <laughs> he nodded. Okay, so Mario, I, and you were a terrible father, she added. He nodded. I was. I'm just hoping that maybe we could sit down together and talk. As Margot's expression changed to anger, he defensively added, and nothing more, just talk. Please just consider it. After another awkward pause, Lord Lewis straightened up. Mr. Ingleward, we are ready whenever you are. He turned and went through the doors to join the others. Damn! Henry exclaimed as the door shut. <laughs> Just says damn. He saw that Margot's expression had returned to surprise confusion. I'll I'll just go in alone for the time being, Ted said hesitantly. We'll be right in after you, Henry said. Ted turned and entered the room alone, closing the door behind him. Are you okay? Henry asked. Margot replied, still staring at the door. What the hell was that? I think he's trying to make up with you, Margot, Leonid offered from behind them. So he's behind them, okay. Henry had forgotten he was there. Turning, he saw Leonid shrug. Somehow, he didn't seem quite as imposing as earlier after hearing the news about the agreement. Do you think we should... Henry started. Margot finished his thought, shaking her head as if trying to uncloud her mind. Go inside? Yes, we can't leave Ted alone. They both headed for the doors, leaving Leonid standing alone, rocking on his heels in an apparent good mood. And that ends... Chapter 10! So that chapter actually ended before, like, I thought there was going to be another thing that happened at the end of that chapter. My bad. <laughs> Apparently it didn't happen. Like, I, I thought another... Occur yeah, I can't give you a spoiler. I mean, I don't do spoilers on this show. Yeah, yeah. But anywho, um, pretty exciting chapter, I guess. I mean, they went to a meeting, and I mean, that's basically the entire plot of... Uh, what was that book? God damn Offworlder, right? Is <laughs> just going to meetings until the book ends. Yeah. And then they have a work romance that blossoms into implied sex. But, and all right, anyway... Um, I don't know. This chat, I mean, I think it was trying to build the tension with Margot and her dad, but maybe not tension now. It seems like he's trying to be the nice guy because he probably knows he's got, I don't know, what do you get in the world of magic? Um, well, he probably has the gout, right? He probably eats a lot. Since he's a lord, he's probably eating a lot of rich foods. I don't know. But I'm thinking of like, uh, what's something that's. Ah, what's something they're going to get for disease? Maybe he thinks he's going to die from it. But, you know, it's not too serious or sad. I don't know. Eh, who knows? Who cares? I don't really want to get into it that much. But, you know, he's trying to show some remorse to Margo. Margo's kind of being, let's face it, should she really be talking like that in front of other people? Maybe she should be a little more reserved. She's kind of being a bitch to him. But I get it. She doesn't like him. Doesn't like her family. Whatever. All right. You know. Ooh. I actually meant to go back and see if they had told Leonid that there were no, like, conditions on the surrender. Maybe that was, like, when they were at the army encampment, or maybe that was Margot being surprised. I don't know. I could check, but who wants to? Ugh, this book's exhausting. Already. I really do want to go back and make sure there's 41 chapters, though. I mean, I think there are. Yeah, this book's moving along at a pretty good clip, though. 
I, I think so. So uh, this chapter, it was not exciting. I thought it might get exciting. <laughs> but uh, don't worry. So the, I think the exciting part starts next chapter. Ooh, wow. That is a sales pitch if I've ever heard one, right? I mean, how many people out there are just clamoring to get their hands on a printed copy of this fabulous book, right? Oh, geez, it's so exciting. Yes. Um, yeah, so we had a meeting. Yeah. Do you think, I would think in the world of magic, maybe they would have chairs on casters, especially in a castle, because let's, well, it's like a storybook castle, right? And I already said it's like a manor home, so they probably do have wood floors. So is it better to have like the casters on chairs? Because they're going to be made out of like cast iron in this freaking, uh, you know, uh, world of magic, technologically impaired. Unless they can make like magic steel, which, all right, let's assume they can. But can they make plastic? I doubt it. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. What would you, would you put like casters on a wood floor? I feel like no. And they probably don't. Well, okay. How about this? So they do have the casters. It is a wood floor because this isn't a real castle. It's just like made to look fancy. Okay. So it's a wood floor, but we have casters, but each chair would have to be on a mat. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like people do at like, uh, oldie time work. They'd get those like plastic rolly chair mats that they'd be on. But it's the world of magic, so maybe they're made out of, like, uh, I don't know, dragon skin or something like that. Let's go with that. Yeah, I'm adding to this. You know what? This is, yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be part of the book. Uh, what do you call that? This is, um, oh my god, I forgot it. What's something that's, uh, uh, canon. Yep, it's canon. It's can right? Is it canon? Is that the word I'm looking for? I hope so. All right. Well, whatever. I'm the author. That's what happened. Okay. Rolly chairs. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'd be upholstered. That'd be nice. I feel like. I feel like someone rich would want to have like leather upholstered chairs in their meeting rooms. Don't you think? Yeah, they would. They definitely would. Ooh, exciting. I love talking about meeting rooms. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Did you? Okay. Another thing. Like, did you know Margot was olive skinned? I feel like that maybe never was brought up before. <laughs> I think it's been said she had, like, dark skin, maybe. I don't know. I can picture her, but whatever. doesn't matter. Because uh, I think it's meant to, like, contrast with Henry's clearly Irish pasty whiteness. So, But not too much. Does that make sense? I, mean, I don't know. what the, That doesn't make sense to me, actually. It's supposed to be just a little different. Not like, uh, not like a diversity film. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I think I've proven in these books that I'm not good with diversity. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do some discussion questions, shall we? All right. All right. I have some good ones here, I think, today. That was the longest chapter. All right. So uh, if you remember, in the beginning, question one here. In the beginning, Tedward Ingleward knocked on Margot's door. And I did that amazing sound effect of talking from the other side of the door that you all heard. It was amazing. And she let him in, right? And they all sat down in there in Margot and Henry's room, right? Okay, so my question is, I mean, effectively, this is a, a hotel room to them, right? So uh, what are your thoughts on, like, inviting someone into your hotel room? I know I've done it because I've gone to, like, uh, multiple weddings for my cousins in Indiana. 
So we have to travel. My parents will come out and uh, we'll all drive out from Cleveland here. We'll all drive out together to Indiana and we'll book a hotel. We'll get some rooms next to each other. Very exciting. We don't get the like pass through door, thank God. But all right. Anyway, so we'll like go down and like hang out in my parents' room. And I'm pretty sure they've come into our room too. But I don't know. It's something like it's like inviting someone into your bedroom as an adult, right? I mean, I know if I have some children listening, they should not be listening. But you invite your friends into your bedroom all the time. That's not a big deal, right? But I mean, these days, nobody goes in my bedroom. That's like a no, not going to happen. I mean, I don't even like that my cat goes in my bedroom, but, uh, so I don't know when I invite someone into my hotel room, it feels awkward. And it's especially because like, uh, what do I want to say? Like after you wear clothes, you pile them up in the hotel room. I'm neat about it. Like I'll fold my pants up together again and, uh, you know, maybe the shirt too, but you know, I'm not folding underpants. They're just going to sit right on top. So now everybody's seeing that, oh, yesterday Jeff wore blue underpants and I, I don't need that in my life. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. That's the problem with it is people <sighs> seeing my mess, I guess, is what I really have a problem with. And I'm not even messy at that point. I would think it'd be worse for other people. You know what I mean? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you invite people into your hotel room? Ugh. All right. All right. All right. Very exciting question. Write in. Let me know. JeffReadsHisBook.com. I said it a little slower because I think at the beginning of this episode, I said it really fast. Also, this glass of 101 is having an effect on me and I can feel myself slurring just a little bit. Speaking of which, let me just uh, have a sip. Mmm. You're probably all wondering how big this glass was. The answer is pretty big. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, question two. All right. So Henry's getting winded going up and down the stairs in this freaking Walt Disney-esque piece of shit castle. Uh, all right. What? Uh, what how, oh, God. I can't even get the freaking... What's the words that start questions? Uh... I mean, I think there's a term for it, but I don't remember what it is. Whatever. It doesn't matter. How many flights of stairs can you do in like one go without get, let's say without getting sweaty, right? So let's say you're walking to work. How many stairs can you do? I'm going to say, I like to think I can do four flights of stairs. Four, I'm, I'm not a problem. Straight up four flights. And that's uh, four, like... I, I mean like floors, all right? So we're not counting like when they turn halfway through one floor. So six stairs and then it curves and then it does another seven or whatever. None of that bullshit. I mean like going from the third to the fourth floor, that kind of shit. I think I could do about four in one go without starting to show signs of sweating or like breathing heavy. I think at five, I'm going to start like breathing a little faster Probably by six, my pits are going to start sweating. You know what I mean? How many flights of stairs can you do? But, you know, I say that, but I feel like I could do... I mean, I'm not out of shape. Like, I'm not going to pass out on floor seven. I think I could do, like, ten, no problem. Maybe twenty. I don't know. I haven't used, like, a stair machine or worked anywhere with stairs in so long that how the hell would I know? But, eh. It's my thoughts on it. Write in. Tell me how many flights of stairs you can do. <laughs> if you have a stair machine at home, that's exciting. This is a good time to have a stair machine at home. 
I have a uh, weight bench at home and have for a long time. And it's not because of like quarantine. It's because I have social anxiety. Okay. Question three. Do you know anyone who says mother or father, like Margot was talking, huh? Do you like, and I don't mean in the funny sense, like I've heard Laura say that, like I said, but you know, she's obviously trying to make her mom laugh and she always calls her mom. So it doesn't matter. All right. All right. But do you know anybody who says mother or father? Mother, will you get me a new, what, what, what's something rich? A new caviar fork. This one has fallen on the floor. There we go. That was pretty good. I don't know why English people would all be rich. They're clearly not, especially now that they're not part of the Euro zone. Yeah, good luck with that, guys. Anyway, I can't think of anybody that I know that actually says that. Like in, in I mean, like, uh, I feel like I've heard people say it not quite to make their mom laugh, but to be annoying, kind of. That's that's close. That's close. You know what I mean? Laura says it as a joke, but that's it. I've said it as a joke to my mother, I'm sure, right? And that's different. My mother is something, but, you know, I never address her as mother, but... Yeah. Okay. All right. I think we all get the fucking point, right? Okay. So do you know anybody who says that? And if you do, why are you still talking to them? Because what what the hell's wrong with them? <laughs> it just seems like a real weird way to address your parents. Like you got some problems if that's the uh, issue there. I don't know. Or you know what? If you If they address by first name, same problem. Yeah. That's at least as pretentious as referring to your dad as father, right? Yeah, let me know. Let me know if you know anybody who calls them by their first name, too, because that's annoying as well. Whew. All right. All right. So I think those are three good discussion questions. Very topical. Uh, we, you can talk about them in class, of course, except, you know, you should, uh, maybe not. Well, I already just said kids shouldn't be listening to this podcast or reading this book, you know, due to all the implied sex. And I didn't even address that. So, like... They invited Ted in to their room, and it wasn't implied, but it was probable they had sex. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, he- all right, we can look at a different point of view, because Henry did say he drank a lot. So maybe Henry drank so much that he passed out of the bed. Margot smiled and sighed that she had an evening to herself and got to read a book. <laughs> Although Margot's kind of, I don't know. What do I want to say? Is sultry the right word? She seems to uh, drag Henry into this implied sex quite a bit. This isn't a. This isn't normal. Uh, whoever wrote this book has a very strange view of women. Am I right? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, that ends today's episode. I think. Uh, I hope everybody's social distancing well. You know what I mean? Uh, I know I am. I'm gonna have to start wearing a face mask of some sort uh, when I go out this week. In fact, we're going to start wearing a, uh, what do I have? We have these Garnier Fructis bandanas that are, I don't know if you've bought Garnier products, but they're fucking bright green. So I have all these bright green Garnier Fructis NASCAR bandanas that came with God knows what styling product or shampoo from years ago that I uh, plan to wear, I guess, as my face mask. 
I guess. I mean, they're terrible. I don't know. I also have these, uh, like a whole bunch of embroidered uh, handkerchiefs. I think I'm supposed to use cotton, so I might have to use the hankies. But they say J in the corner, because this is where they get creepy. I was given them, my mom gave them to me, because they were from uh, my great uncle Jake, who also had them. And I used them, but it's a little odd, because I got them after he died. <laughs> I don't know. They weren't used, they were still in the package. I'm not sure that makes it better. <laughs> so I'm going to be wearing that out in public, I guess, this week. Do I have to wear it on the sidewalk? I don't know. Yeah, and it's starting to warm up. I got yard work to do. Oh, God damn it. I know. So I hope everybody else out there is doing well. Uh, you know, let me know right into the show. Go over to jeffreadshisbook.com. Three ways to contact me. You can reach me at email, jba at sdf.org. Or you can reach me on Mastodon. If the fucking Mastodon server's up, hello, SDF, you pieces of shit. JBA at mastodon.sdf.org. Or you can reach me on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. All one word, all lowercase, all fucking bitchin'. Yeah, all right. So I guess that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, you know, just write in. Tell me you're doing okay. Uh, you notice if you don't want me to like read your name, if you write in, you can tell me don't read your name. That's cool, man. <laughs> or lady or gal. I don't know. What do I say instead of man? I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. Ladies make me nervous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Laura knows. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I guess that wraps it up. So until next time, keep on reading. Keep on reading.